Robert Borsak from the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party says that the uh, Premier of New South Wales has failed to produce and present medical evidence that underpins the health advice to Parliament or to the people of New South Wales. There's been no transparency, no accountability, no oversight, and we need it now. The information the public need is the medical evidence that underpins the health orders and advice that has led us into the current lockdown and subsequent restrictions we are now experiencing. Robert says, without seeing the medical evidence to justify the current restrictions, the public is subjected to draconian laws whilst this government operates under a veil of secrecy. Robert, good morning to you. Good morning, Marcus. We're Thank in the lockdown here. Yeah. We're in the lockdown everywhere. Uh, first, uh, Firstly, um, I think I know the answer to this question anyway, but I'll ask it. Uh, the Deputy Premier of New South Wales from the Nationals, John Barillaro, is at odds with the Premier and the health advice, apparently. Not that we've seen it, Robert on uh, the curfews in the 12 local government areas of concern. Uh, what's your stance on that? Well, we, we, we don't think they're justified either. Um, I think for once we actually have to agree with the uh, Deputy Premier that uh, it's really hard, again, without seeing the evidence and really knowing what effect it's going to have and is having, uh, whether these curfews should be inflicted on people uh, in those local government areas. It's, uh, it doesn't seem like it works. And uh, as usual, the, the government, especially the Premier, is running away from scrutiny. Well, that's it. It's hard to scrutinise. I mean, it's all it's one thing getting upset at journalists, you know, upsetting the apple cart by asking those <laughs> nagging questions, uh, you know, in the 11 o'clock press conference. That seems to be the only accountability uh, that the government's facing at the moment. Not that I'd ever get a guarantee to go to one of those things. You need to be on a list, apparently, to get into the uh, Premier's press conferences. Uh, but I'm yeah. just I'm just wondering. Sorry, mate. Go ahead. No, I was going to say we we've been trying for the last seven weeks just to get back to the uh, the question of uh, trying to sit. Uh, we actually have scheduled sitting weeks. Uh, this week was supposed to be a scheduled sitting week. Yes. And so is next next week. And we had worked up a very detailed plan, a COVID plan, mm-hmm. uh, keeping in mind that politicians and their staff are essential workers, but still we don't want to put anybody at risk. Uh, and uh, the government's just outright rejected it. Um, there's a there's a sort of quaint requirement in New South Wales on a scheduled sitting week. The government actually has to have a minister or um, parliamentary secretary present. Otherwise, we can't actually convene the House. Would you believe that? Oh, I know. I spoke yesterday to David Shoebridge about it. I've, I've spoken at length to Chris Minns. You know, uh, uh, the opposition parties, and uh, whether it's uh, your mob, the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers, or Labor, or the Greens, they're all dead set against the, uh, the closure and the ongoing closure. I mean, the last time New South Wales State Parliament met was the middle of June. We're closing in on uh, coming... Well, we're getting close to the middle of September now. You know, it's a long time ago, during one of the most testing times of the state's history, I would have thought it was an opportune time uh, for Parliament to be scrutinised for an exchange of ideas and some robust debate on what's happening uh, in this state of New South Wales. But no, um, again, there seems to be a lack of transparency. That's right. And the the, the government, you know, makes no bones about it. I mean, we've got a... uh uh, a letter back uh, late last week, I think it was Friday, from Damien Tudor, simply telling us that uh, 
you know, what we're doing is wrong and we shouldn't be doing it and, you know, there's all these risks attendant to what we're doing and, you know, the the, uh, the great God of the health advice says you can't do it. Uh, yet the, the whole process of the health advice, the way it works, of course, is that the, uh, the chief medical officer gives advice, but the government has to assess uh, what that advice is worth and how it's going to actually run the state and what restrictions, if any, they're going to put in. Now, we haven't done anything different in, in, the, in the upper house. The only thing that is different is the government doesn't have control of the upper house in New South Wales, and that's the difference. The lower house, they simply say, no, go away, we're not going to do it. In the upper house, they don't, and that's why they're getting, or at least we're attempting very hard, as you rightly point out, to uh, hold them to some, some level of scrutiny. Well, it's not just COVID. There are other issues that are, you know, floating around, including uh, the animal rights uh, legislation. The final and complete betrayal of the bush, you say, by the National Party is happening right now. Uh, Adam Marshall, um, John Barillara, they're all in your firing, uh, in your sights. Um, You know, I don't mean that... (laughs) I don't mean that uh, literally, but of course, National Party Minister for Agriculture, member for Northern Tablelands, Adam Marshall, is currently sponsoring a review of the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act that started in the Department of Agriculture back in 2018. There's been a limited consultation on issues paper that was not widely made available and a committee of inquiry into animal cruelty run by the Animal Justice Party that made wide-ranging recommendations that were based primarily on the animal rights agenda. A large series of proposals were developed by the department. Now, look, I'm, I'm, I'll be the first to say that I've supported the Animal Justice Party on things like, you know, uh, puppy farms. I don't think they should exist. And, you know, we all, we're all dead set against cruelty against animals. But am I right in suggesting that farmers and all stakeholders haven't received a, a fair crack of the whip here? Well, I think that's right. Um... I think in this particular case, uh, the the case has not been made out by the government or by the the Animal Justice Party as to why the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act should be completely rewritten. Uh, And what they're talking about doing, if you read the discussion paper, there's no mention of that in there at all, other than that the Act has been around for 40 years and needs to be completely changed. And uh, so what they've done is they've turned around and issued a discussion paper uh, based on the five animal freedoms that animal rights people are always running up the flagpole. And uh, no one really knows and understands why this should be done right now, other than the government is looking for support in the upper house and looking for support from the likes of Alex Greenwich in the lower house. This will tip any animal agriculture on its head. It doesn't matter what uh, they tell you, it will, what effect it will have. It will tip it on its head. It will tip fishing and fishers uh, on its head. You will not be able to go fishing without the potential uh, risk of being prosecuted or persecuted by an animal rights organisation, because that's another aspect to it, uh, Marcus. Mm. Uh, The the minister will be able to appoint anybody and everybody from PETA, Animal Liberation, Animals Australia, you name it, as well as the RSPCA, the traditional uh, uh, organisation in this space. Or any and all of them could get a guarantee to go out and persecute and prosecute farmers, fishers, hunters, you name it. Uh, it, it, it just goes on and on. It's an unbelievable uh, piece of work, this uh, discussion paper. If you haven't seen it, 
Oh, I've seen it. I've seen a copy of it, and uh, I—it's very clear that it's slanted toward, um, you know, animal rights activists. There's no doubt about that. And I would have thought, um, you know, in a democracy, we'd allow all people to have a say. Look, there's still an opportunity. Tell me about this. uh, uh, People can uh, write submissions. Is that right? Yeah. Look, the submissions were actually only going to be open until the third of September, but uh, I prevailed upon the National Party minister. Adam Marshall, yep. and to keep it open for another two weeks. So it closes on the 17th of September. And okay. what people should do is make their voice heard. Uh, that's the reality. You should there's, a, there's the opportunity to make a contribution as to what you think is, this is all about and why it shouldn't change in the way that they're trying to drive it. Um, the, the Prevention of Cruelty Animals Act works perfectly well the way it is now. I don't see why we need to suddenly implement uh, the animal rights agenda through basically a licensing system to farm. You'll you'll basically need a license to farm. And what will happen through the regulation of the industry over time is that animal uh, animal husbandry, farming of sheep, cattle, you name it, even llamas, mm. will all go down the drain. I mean, you will not be able to use them anymore. The, the concept of harm, Marcus, now has changed. Yep. Uh, cruelty really goes out the door. Now it's the broad brush five freedoms of animals harm, including including the definition in harm of the uh, the psychology of the animal. Well, but, yesterday I was talking to one of your colleagues about, uh, you know, whether or not an octopus may be a little upset being tangled on somebody's fishing line. I mean, for goodness sake. Well, that's, that, that's, the, that's the way it all works, of course. How can you possibly not harm a fish if you pull it out of the water? and then kill it to eat it. Of course you're harming it. So, you know, that'll, that'll, that will become uh, a, a, well, basically it could potentially be a banned activity under the Act. Yeah. Uh, look, it doesn't make sense to me, and uh, what makes it even more difficult, of course, is the fact that Parliament's not sitting, so you're not able to robustly uh, debate these issues and talk about them uh, in Macquarie Street, which is what we should be doing. Uh, COVID or not, every other state jurisdiction has, has met. We've got a Prime Minister gallivanting between the ACT and Sydney, you know, uh, despite orders that quarantine should be in place. So they tell us one thing, that we're all in this together, it's all about public safety and all the rest of it. I mean, I would. Th- there'd be no doubt that somewhere along the line, the Premier's office or the Health Department in New South Wales would have been made aware that, you know, uh, the PM and his uh, staff and his entourage uh, would have been arriving in Sydney for Father's Day on the weekend. Look, again, I haven't got a problem with that. We all, we'd all love to be spending time with our family and friends at the moment, but, you know, when they try and spin this BS line, Robert, that we're all in this together, we are clearly not. And if the Prime Minister can and his entourage can arrive in Sydney and then jet back out to uh, the ACT without a problem, surely New South Wales Parliament can sit. Well, that, that's exactly right. And the, the Federal Parliament, as you say, quite rightly, has been sitting. Uh, every other state in Australia has been on or off, but they're, they're sitting. And here we are, since June, uh, fighting a government to try to get back to sit, just to, to do our democratic duty. And uh, they're opposing it. They're, they're opposing it. We've got the most complex uh, compliance plan ready to go. Yep. And the government simply says, sorry, we don't, we don't agree with you. Well, I, you know, I'm here to tell them that scheduled sitting weeks, they, they have the baton. They can stop us. But we can change this. Yep. We can change the, the standing orders and the sessional orders once the House comes back 
and they won't be able then to keep us away. We will get in there and make sure that we hold them accountable. Well, that's the way a democracy is supposed to work, Robert. You know that. I know that. My listeners know that. Good to talk. Thanks very much, Mark. It's all the best.